You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my co-host Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about yourself? Good. We're doing good here. Had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Uh, a lot of hard work on the network side of things, but it's all starting to pay off. I would be remiss if I didn't forget, because I always forget, <laughs> to mention that my balls are incredibly smooth now. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's so much fun to to be clean and fresh down there. Mike, I mean, you use deodorant, Mike, don't you? Yeah. And, and I mean, if we're going to use deodorant... I, I'm not a... <laughs> exactly. If we're going to use deodorant under our arms, I don't know why we're not using them on our balls. It makes sense to me. Yeah, so that's what we're doing. And Manscaped is the way to do it. Get clean for the holidays, gentlemen. You want to have just a passionate and romantic Christmas with you and your loved one, then, uh, you know, make sure that you trim uh, not only the tree, but yourself. Get uh, the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. It comes with the Lawnmower 2.0. It comes with the ball deodorant. It comes with the crop refresher, which just makes you smell like a mistletoe down there. And uh, it comes with that uh, great bag, the the Shed 2.0. If you go to manscaped.com and use our promo code LATEFEE, all caps, you get 20% off your order and free shipping. I, I forget to, I always forget to mention that. But, Mike, they give us free shipping. That's just crazy talk. It is crazy. So go to manscaped.com, use promo code LATEFEE, 20% off, free shipping. You've got no excuse not to. Let's let's start with the IMDB game. I've got one. I'll tell you after, you, after you get this one, I have a couple that I can't read for obvious reasons, but I want to read them after you get it because... There are some doozies in here, <laughs> as far as clues go. Uh, so I'm going to start off with profanity. Uh, 14 uses of fuck, two uses of cunt, two uses of bitch, two uses of son of a bitch, six, six uses of shit, one use of goddamn, two uses of hell, and four uses of just plain old damn. Uh, Garfield. No, it's not Garfield, the Tale of Two Kitties. It's pretty close. I meant the first one. Oh, okay. Uh, it is the first one, actually. No, I'm just joking. Uh, alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Uh, no smoking or drugs? Yes, please. <laughs> well, not in this movie, because there no, there's no smoking or drinking in this film. What the hell kind of movie is this where they say fuck, but you don't smoke? Yeah, it's weird. Um, hmm. The chipmunk squeakle. No. Jason Lee was in those. Oh. <laughs> Is that back when he was a Scientologist? Uh, probably. Yeah. That's a very Scientology thing to do is to star in the chipmunk live action film. Uh, let's see. Violence and gore. 
strong and menacing violence with frightening images. Um, eight millimeter. No, here's one that's it's this is so weird. I, I don't think this is a native English speaker that wrote this. We can see a rusty corpse that was held in the water for many months, although it doesn't seen fully. That's what it says. Although it doesn't seen fully. We can see some parts of it, including its teeth. A rusty corpse. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> but it's a rusty corpse that was held underwater for many months. It doesn't seen fully. Huh. But we can see some parts of it, including its teeth for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the cell? No. Uh, a man's decapitated head is found in a jar. Sudden. <laughs> oh, I think this is the Silence of the Lambs. Correct. I don't remember the corpse part, though. I thought you uh, you might get it on that one. So, And also, isn't there a reference to Chianti at the very end of the movie, which would be an alcohol reference? Yeah, there should that yeah, that it there should be that should be in the alcohol reference. Yeah, you're right. Uh there's so let me see. Um a decomposing nude female body is briefly seen on an autopsy table. Sensitive nudity isn't very noticeable. Also, it's a dead body, so it's not sexual. I like that they're just like, hey, come on, no one can be into that. If only they knew. Right. The premise of a killer skinning his victims is by itself disturbing, although the shock factor is greatly lessened by the fact that he does it on corpses rather than living people. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Where is the one I want, though? Okay, the film's villain has a big desire to become a female. Seems positive so far, but as he makes suits from his victim's skin... It is really frightening and awfully disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh where's the other one? There's one more. I think it's under I think it's under violence and gore. Oh wait, no. It's under frightening and intense scenes. Oh, let me see. Where is it? It's about the senator's daughter. Okay, here we go. As the senator's daughter has been kidnapped, she's begging for Buffalo Bill, the film's villain, to let her go. Although he doesn't want to release her because of his desire to become a woman through using her skin. It's They make it sound so reasonable. She's right. begging to be let go, but he doesn't want to let her go because he wants to use her skin. Yeah, that happens. Oh, all right. I'm ready. All right, Mark, are you ready? Yep. Let's see. A bomb goes off, but it is meant as comedic. <laughs> A comedic bombing. Um. Okay. Uh, dirty work. No. All right. Uh, one of the characters is a bachelor, and he has a married woman in his car, and he attempts to emotionally lure her into him. That's what it says, into him, which I don't think that's what they mean, but maybe. <laughs> uh, bachelor party. No. 
One of the characters is mistaken by a group of women for a child molester and a pervert after seeing him grabbing a little girl's mouth and attempt to have her spit out a rubber ball to which he needs. And they, pers- they, can- they says pursues to beat him, which is not correct. They go to beat him with their purses. After a win, I'm sorry, this is definitely not by a native English speaker. <laughs> wow. You, you might think I'm uh, having a stroke in the middle of this, but that's not the case. <laughs> After a win, one woman says, pervert, get your hands off my kid, followed by the rest of women calling the character a, quote, pervert. This sounds familiar. And not just from when I'm walking in the park, but... I would say more like a sl- slinking through the park, but whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, hmm. A rubber ball that he needs. Um... Oh, uh, the Barney movie. No. Okay. Um, I've never seen this movie, so this this might give it away. I don't know. A scene shows a man fighting off many Santa Claus crooks by punching them. Oh, is it uh, bad? Wait, bad Santa? No. Santa Claus crooks by punching them. Oh, is it, uh, no, I don't think this is it, but is it, um, Trading Places? No. All right. All right, this makes no sense. This is under alcohol, drugs, and smoking, mm. and here's what it says. It says, a man and a woman drink eggnog. However, the man explains that it's non-alcoholic. How is that an alcohol, drugs, and smoking? I don't know. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. No. Criminal Santa Claus. That's a, that's a hard one. Hmm. This might give it away. Like I said, I haven't seen it. I'm like 99% sure you have, though. A man punches a reindeer in the face. Uh, punches a reindeer in the face? <laughs> what the hell? Um. Huh. I mean, obviously, oh, a bomb went off in this, too. So, obviously, this is some sort of comedy Christmas movie. Um, some, might, some might say that's not the case. Oh, really? It's not funny? <laughs> uh, Harold and Kumar's Christmas movie? No. All right. A woman smacks a man in the face with a thermos of eggnog. He is later seen with crooked glasses. Um, the ref. No. All right. Oh, oh, what the fuck did I just do? I just turned my computer screen upside down. Oh, no. Everybody's back. I'm definitely losing this week. I know there are people shouting what it is right now. I don't know. It's kind of obscure, maybe. I'm trying to figure out how to fix my fucking screen. Oh, it's permanently broken now? (laughs) No, it's upside down. Your computer screen just turned completely upside down? Yeah, I think it's one of the push-to-talk keys. I'm holding one of them. I know one of them will do that. I've accidentally done it before. Um, But I can read upside down, so we're we're okay. Mild language, ass, hell, etc. An incomplete son of a bitch. Damn you, is said once. 
an incomplete son of a bitch. <laughs> um, uh, Fred Claus. No. All right. Um, let's see. Now I did something, and I don't even understand what the hell's going on with my computer right now. Punching a reindeer in the face. That's what I don't... Scrooged? I'm going to give you a clue that just gives it away. Sinbad has a line of a woman who step with everybody at the post office but me. This was uh, changed for the TV version. Jingle all the way? Correct. Yeah, I think I've seen that once. Once. Yeah, I guess a bomb does go off. <laughs> it is supposed to be comedic, but like it it literally murders police officers. LOL. Right. Their LOLs ter- suddenly turn to WTFs. <laughs> so before we talk about the you know what we watched and, and everything like that, um there's one piece of news that I, I need to share with you. Oh, uh, just for the record, if you hold Control-Alt and then press the up key, it'll fix the issue. I must have had it to both down and press down. Oh, okay. So if anybody, so ever if anybody has out there the... has the exact same situation right now, do yeah. that. It's Control-Alt, the up arrow. Exactly. But, but this, uh, I, I need to tell you this story because this is so crazy to me. Uh, Johnny Depp is going to produce... Oh, I already know where you're going with A this. A musical about Michael Jackson as told by his glove. <laughs> it's called For the Love of the Glove. <laughs> it's going to be a, a musical. It's going to premiere January 23rd in uh, Los Angeles. It was written by someone named Julian Nitzberg, and he describes it a, a, this way. This is how the writer describes it. I'm known for writing a lot of biopics. A major TV network wanted me to write one about Jackson, uh, but the question came up about how to deal with the child abuse allegations. I said, how's this? Everything MJ has been accused of has actually been caused by his glove, which is actually an alien from outer space and feeds on virgin boy blood. (laughs) They laughed and said, can you do the normal version? After the biopic plans collapsed, Nitzberg pursued this offbeat idea and transformed the biopic into a musical. So apparently this musical is going to feature a storyline that uh, the, the, the sexual abuse was caused by Michael Jackson's glove, who is an alien from another planet that feeds on virgin boy blood. <laughs> There's something wrong with this. I mean, um, I, 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 something's made up here. Like the person who wrote this, is that a real person? Have you looked at? Uh, no, I, I don't know if. Uh, but First, yeah, go ahead. The name sounds ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Julian Nitzberg. Yeah, Julian Nitzberg, and they're supposedly famous for writing a lot of biopics. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> the thing is, is like, so this has been picked up everywhere. Um, oh no, he's real. Julian Nitzberg, yeah. screenwriter. 
Oh, oh, I've I've actually heard about this, but I've never seen it. The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. That's like uh, Johnny Knoxville had something to do with that. I think he was a producer. Oh, okay. it's supposedly a really good documentary about these like people in West Virginia who are like like just like a crazy like clan of uh, you know not a family, a clan of people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this guy. I mean, <laughs> what a fucking insane. Like, this is going to be crazy. So, will they make a movie out of this? This is what I want to know. Because <laughs> obviously, I'm not I, flying I, to Los Angeles to see it. I, I can't imagine anybody uh, wanting to see this so much that they need to make a movie out of it. Oh, my God. It, it's <laughs> it's one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. But I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like it just because it's so out there, although probably horribly insensitive to Michael Jackson's uh, alleged victims. Right. Oh, but yeah, for the love of the glove. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, check it out and then write to us and tell us what you thought of it. Oh, speaking of write to us, didn't you say there were some letters last uh, episode that you didn't get to? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got uh, we have some letters. Uh, I'm going to dig those up in a minute. Sure, you got those in the post, as they say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, emails, technically. What all, what all did you... Uh, I know you said you, you saw the Irishman this week. I did, yes. Did you see anything else that was... Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till we talk with the Irishman to get into you know your opinion on it, but mm-hmm. did you watch anything else? I watched The Mandalorian. Uh, oh, more, did you? More episodes of that. How do you like that? I'm actually liking it pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. I think it's it's. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I mean, just on principle, I'm not going to watch it. I've heard it's like more like a western than like a you know a normal Star Wars kind of. It is. It's very. It's very much like a western, and it's yeah. He's. I mean, he's a bounty hunter, so it's it's like that. And of course, there's the baby Yoda, which everybody loves. Yeah, which is the ripoff of the baby Gremlin. Yeah, exactly, and. You know, it's 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 good though. One thing that I like about him is he's not like some indestructible force. He's clearly a uh, like he's clearly just baffled at some of the things that uh, that this world is throwing at him. Well, where does this take place? Like in the Star Wars timeline, is it like does it say? Do you know exactly what part of Star Wars it's center? It doesn't say, like, it doesn't say explicitly, but I think it's supposed to be about five years after Return of the Jedi. So basically between the, 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 the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because doesn't he get, like, eaten by, like, a a worm or something in uh, one of those movies? Oh, it's not Boba Fett. Oh, I assumed it was. No, it's 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 a Mandalorian, so I guess it's like I guess they're like Isn't it like a race of people or something like that. Uh, yeah, they're like a clan, I guess. It's like, like almost like a religious order um that seems to like center around violence like, you know, like most of the religious orders. Um and uh they like they found him. He was like in some sort of he was like a child and his parents were killed in some sort of battle. And like they found him and they took him in. And so he's not, I don't think he's actually a Mandalorian, like the species. What the fuck? (laughs) 
<laughs> but he's a Mandalorian by it's like being Jewish. Like he's not uh he's not culturally Jewish, but he's Jewish by uh by conversion. So he's like Sammy Davis Jr. Fair enough. <laughs> uh okay. Um first question from Brent. Uh guys, love the show. What is your favorite genre of movie and what is your favorite uh movie in that genre? You want to go first? You want me to go first? You can go first. I have to think about that. I guess my favorite genre of movie is probably Oh, it's so tough. Um I I guess comedy, although it's hard to find good comedies now. But See, I would have thought you would have said horror. It's it's close between the two of them. Um, but it's also hard to find good horror movies now too. But yeah, I, I would say probably well yeah, I'll I'll go horror. Because it's 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 really close. And probably my favorite horror movie is still The Exorcist, I think. I, I know a lot of people say that doesn't really hold up anymore. But it's a creepy ass movie, and uh, and I do not like it at all. Right. Uh, what about you? See, I'm not. I think favorite genre is uh, probably pornographic, but I don't think that's what they're asking <laughs> for. Um, I I think I like a lot of crime movies. Action movies are my favorite. You know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I really, I really wouldn't say I have like a specific. I used to say Unforgiven was my favorite movie, and it's a great movie. But I mean, I, I don't find myself like repeatedly watching that movie or anything. I mean, right. I'm not the kind of person who's like, if I see a movie that I really like and I see it once, I, that's satisfactory to me sometimes. You know, I don't need to, especially if it's a long movie. Like, I don't need to. Like, I don't really want to watch like a three hour movie more than once in general. Mm. Although, although that's a complete lie because I think Heat's like two and a half hours, and I've seen that movie quite a few times. Right. Um. Maybe I'd say today it's Inglorious Bastards, but if you ask me, like in another week or two, it might be something completely different. All right. Obviously, I'm a big Tarantino fan too. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Where's the? Oh, I'm sorry. Tatinos. That's what I meant. Those pizza rolls. <laughs> Those are good. And good for you. Uh, this is from Amy. Uh, hi, Mike and Mark. Love the show. How did the two of you meet? Oh, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, I go with the Billy Graham uh, school, and I, I, I don't talk to a woman unless my, unless my wife is present with me. <laughs> I mean, I know it's an email, but I, I feel that that's, you know, in, in the eyes of God, that's sinful somehow. You better call her in there. Uh, I think she's uh, asleep. It's 9 o'clock, and uh, she has to get up at, like, 4.30 for a job. Nice. Mike and I met in uh, middle school. Sixth grade, yeah, we I the, believe. I don't remember what class it was. Uh I remember I could I could lead you to the class if you were to drop me off to the school. I cannot tell you who uh, the teacher was or what the subject was, though. Like, the one that I really remember being, it was with you and, like, I think uh, our friend, uh, well, your friend, my ex-friend, Bill, and uh, Mark Peabody were also. Yeah. Was it, it, was across, it was across from the science room. I don't remember what it was, though. I don't think it was math. It might have been social studies or English. I think it was social studies, yeah. I'm picturing uh, the room uh, you're talking about. I think it was... Miss... I think it was across from Miss B. Smith, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is hilarious. If you look her up, there's like some crazy story where she said something racist and it was not shocking at all. <laughs> yeah, I like, saw it, like it was in the newspaper. That was pretty great. And I'm like, oh my God, she still teaches her. <laughs> I saw that. It was hilarious. 
Yeah, no one was surprised. Yeah, I remember that uh, that one. Uh, I'm gonna protect the name, but you know the one, uh, the guy who uh, hmm, he was in our class. Uh, he was dating a lady, but uh, he went on to not date ladies. Oh, okay, yeah, you I think know, I know what you're talking about. about. The captain of the Bolero team. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Yep. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, like I think he like was like rubbing like a pencil on his wrist in that class as well. Like, like trying to kill himself, but not really trying to kill himself. Yeah. Yes. Because it, <laughs> it was it was over like a girl he broke up with. And we're like, oh, I don't think you're that upset, buddy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, I think he was like so upset he was making eye contact with people as he did it to make sure they were watching. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I cannot remember that class. Uh, I don't know who it was um, who taught it, but yeah, that's where we met in middle school. Yep. So we've known each other for you know a while, about five years. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, there's one more that, I, well, there's a few more, but there's one more that was interesting enough to talk about. I guess. Oh, it's the rest in the cut. This is from uh, Glenn, Mike, Mark. Love the show. You guys do a great job. You always crack me up. That's very nice uh, of you to say. I love listening to you on my way to work. Tell me, why don't you like going to the movie theater to see movies? Because uh, it's a fucking annoying thing to do. <laughs> it's very inconvenient. Because, like, just think about it. So... Get- Mark and I both have young kids. I have uh, I have an eleven year old and mm-hmm. I have a six year old. Mark has a six year old. A I don't know how old the middle one is. A, nine, nine and uh, what thirteen or fourteen? Fourteen is the oldest. Yeah, she's fourteen. Yeah, so I mean, we it's it's a pain in the ass to leave the house in general. Yep. I mean, going all the way to the movies and paying to get in and then having to sit next to somebody and like if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to pause it. If you want something to eat, you have to pay like you know thirty dollars for a medium popcorn. Yeah, that's the thing is the food's expensive. You got to get in your car, drive all the way there. You got to sit in a room, a dark room with a bunch of other strangers, uh, listen to them fart and like, uh, you know, chomp on popcorn and shit and be loud and, you know, talk during the movie. It's like I understand why it used to be a thing because, you know, air conditioning. Yeah, well, air conditioning and, you know, when it first started, nobody had TVs. And then once they got TVs, you know, the TVs kind of sucked. Like you wouldn't want to watch a big, a big epic like, uh, like, I don't know, uh, Gone with the Wind or something like that on a, you know, small ass 1950s TV. I, I get that. But now with surround sound and sound bars and giant TVs and everything, it's I mean, everyone basically has a movie theater in their house at this point. So. Yeah. And, I mean, just the ability to pause it or rewind it if you need to, that alone is like a, a severe advantage mm-hmm. uh, over, you know, the theater. However, um, I actually did see The Irishman in the theater with my wife, who was uh, part of her birthday gift. Uh, mm-hmm. We're bit, both big Martin Scorsese fans. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was, it's, I, I can understand people liking to see stuff like on like IMAX or like the big screen in general. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not going to be, I'm, I'm not, so uh, I'm not so particular about video quality that I'll you know man I'll watch I'll watch a uh, you know something taped from a, a movie theater that's how how non picky I am about you know yeah the quality of the image yeah me me too I I, I watched The Irishman on my phone as Martin Scorsese uh, oh actually I actually intended. printed out every frame into a giant uh, flipbook and then watched it that way. <laughs> 
And boy, are my arms tired. But yeah, so uh, that's the uh, the questions that we have for this week. If you want to, uh, if you want to write to us, you can uh, find us uh, massfleetp at gmail dot com. Uh, drop us a note there. Ask us whatever you want to. Maybe we'll answer it. Maybe we won't. It depends. Did I ever tell you about the time uh, I thought someone uh, put a bomb in the movie right next to me? Yeah, you did. But tell it anyway. <laughs> Because it's oh, no, so it's... funny. It's so funny to me. <laughs> it says so much about me, I think. <laughs> my my this was like very shortly after 9-11, and I'm like uh I don't know, I was like, you know, reading a lot about it and that kind of stuff, you know, like different terrorist plots. Mm. So my friend uh Matt and I went to the movie theater. Um no movie meals for us that night. It was a no. dollar show though. Yeah. I don't know what we're watching, probably the Matrix, because I think I've seen the Matrix or Fight Club more than anything else. So we're sitting there. Um, this is very, very odd. Uh, we're like in the back row, you know, just like watching the movie, you know. It was actually before like the preview because it wasn't like dark yet. And this uh, Middle Eastern guy walks in with a with a paper bag, and he like he, he kind of like sets it on the floor next to him, and then like after like two minutes, he just gets up and walks out. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> so so not wanting to be like a so not wanting to sound paranoid, I just uh, told my friend Matt, I'm like. Yeah, I want to sit closer, so I just moved down to the, <laughs> and then occasionally just kind of glance back to see what's going on with the bag. Oh my god! So after the movie, he's like, he's like, what? He's like, oh yeah, I thought the guy like put a bomb there. So it's like, he's like, he thought the guy left a bomb there. You didn't want to, you didn't tell me. I'm like, I didn't want to sound like a weirdo. <laughs> do you uh, do you think that guy did that on purpose? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I don't know. I, I honestly still don't know what he's. He literally came in and like sat for like two minutes and then had this bag that he just left there and then walked out. And I'm like, what the fuck is that guy doing? I wonder what was in that bag. It's probably empty. Yeah, it could be. Just trash. Maybe maybe just walk in and just beat off into it and then left the bag there. <laughs> he was, uh, he got so turned on from well, those well, I guess uh, the bag quizzes. would be wet then. You probably see like, like wet marks on the bag if that were the case. So yeah. I take that comment. Oh, you don't think he got turned on from the, uh, you know, the the movie facts before the um, probably not, <laughs> probably not. But you know what I hate? Them. I don't. I think it's AMC. Like when they have like the the song at the beginning of the movie, you know, oh, yes. and like they're like, and then the people like clap along with it. Oh my god, I hate those people so much. <laughs> I know. Because that's another thing about the movie. I mean, it's such a weird. When you think about going to the movies, it's such an odd experience. I mean, you. You pay money to go into a dark room and sit next to somebody and not talk for two hours. Mm-hmm. Why it's do you like, even have to be there at all? I could sit. I could do that at home. There, there's. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's fun. Like if it's like a good action movie, like you know, to cheer like with the other people, I guess. But it's just it, it doesn't add anything to the experience for me at all. Like the other people being there. The only time that it adds anything, and I guess this will sound racist, but whatever, you know, it's Ooh. true. Um, <laughs> is when my friend Colin and I used to go to, we used to go to a theater in a black neighborhood to see horror movies that added to the experience. <laughs> all the, all the people in the theater shouting at the screen, like, uh, Oh, don't go in there. Oh, bitch, you dead. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that made the movie more fun, but that's the only time that something like that added to the experience. But yeah, I, I hate when people clap at the end of movies or they cheer yeah, yeah. at the beginning. That's what, that's what happened at the end of the Irishman. Uh, people like you know we were leaving, but people just like broke into applause. I'm like, first of all, they're not fucking hearing you. It's exactly. not an interactive experience. Exactly. What, what the hell? I mean, 
I mean, do you think like also like uh, El Pacino is gonna like stop and like you know turn to give you the thumbs up? Thanks, Royal Oak, Michigan. Wow, <laughs> that's like the people who like comment like if there's a story like on Facebook or like Yahoo, they're like some people will, I've seen this so many times like it's almost every time they'll comment like to the person the post is about. Mm-hmm. Like someone's like uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, I don't know, uh, slaughtered a monkey or something. <laughs> And then someone would be like, hey, Kim, love your jewelry. <laughs> I'm like, why? What? I mean, I don't even think they're, like, just hoping they'll read this. I, I think they think the person is re- going to read their comment. And, right. And they, some, I don't under, they don't understand how the internet works, I think. And they might also be uh, mentally deficient in a lot of ways. <laughs> that monkey was probably asking for it, Kim. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's even worse than people clapping when the plane lands on a plane. Right. But what yeah, if the pilot was very like jumpy and that threw him off. They just like you know twisted the uh, flight controls <laughs> at the last critical moment. But I mean, yeah, like I get where it comes from. I get that it comes from theater, but as you said, they're not there. It's so dumb. I hate. Yeah, it might be the dumbest thing. Yeah, I hate the clapping. I hate the cheering at the beginning, like seeing the Lucasfilm logo or whatever. If you're watching a Star Wars movie, like oh, 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 Lucasfilm, way yeah, to I, I don't cheer it. for uh, corporate entities. Good job, guys. Uh, let's see. Kim Kardashian West slithers into a daring pair of flared pants. since since you mentioned her i just decided to look up what the latest news on her was oh okay so i guess the flared pants are supposed to look like snakes she looks like i mean cobra command a side piece exactly but uh you know I, i mean yeah, I'm sure Kim. I'm sure a lot of people find Kim Kardashian pretty and everything, but at this point, it's like she just looks like a mom. <laughs> That's what she looks like to me. That's what these pants look like to me. It's not glamorous or anything. It's just, and it's it's such mom a needs. weird picture of her, like you know, just awkwardly trying to get into her car or whatever, and just like, oh, let's take a picture of these pants, Kim. You know how they think about it. Like on GI Joe, they never like like discussed like relationships or even had like characters who were like were attracted to each other. That's true. Well, I mean, it was most it was mostly dudes, but there were female characters as well, like the Baroness. And I can- wasn't Baroness like into Destro or something like that. You know, I, I think maybe you're right. I, I completely uh, contradict what I said five seconds ago. <laughs> but it was weird. It was just like you know, obviously it was like you know for kids and uh, you know mentally disturbed adults. Right, but I mean, uh, it's just kind of funny how, like, when you're a kid, like that stuff is like they don't even bother. And see, that's why I, I feel that maybe that's why those shows were so good because, like, I mean, yeah, I understand, you know, people like romance and movies, but I don't want to see a fucking romance in my action movie. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to see Bruce Willis, uh, you know, about to shoot Hans Gruber in the neck, and then like, oh no, my daughter's a birthday I miss. <laughs> I, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Just, just shoot people. That's all I want to see. Shoot people and shut up. You know what Destro's name is. <laughs> Thaddeus Harris. Larid James McCullen Destro, the 24th. 
Oh my god, that's like the most pretentious name ever. Usually referred to simply as Destro, is a fictional no character shit. from the GI. You can fit that name on the, uh, on the on the box for the toy. The twenty fourth. He is the leader of the Iron Grenaders and founder of Mars Industries. Uh, I like their candy. You know what's funny is, um, uh, do you remember GI Joe that well? Uh, I remember it decently well. Do you remember the character Dr. Mindbender? Yes, I do. He's like this bald guy with a monocle and he has like, you know, the classic like dangling watch and he hypnotizes people. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't remember. I think they had toys like at the store years ago. Like in the, I, I'm like, oh, Dr. Mindbender. So I just read the background. Uh, apparently he's a dentist. He's not a psychiatrist. He's a dentist. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Because why would you not do the most obvious thing and make him be like a psychiatrist? But he's a that just is that makes no sense at all. That, that's that's oh that's like intentionally making it bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also, he never wore a shirt. Yeah, he never did. What? What the fuck? He's like some freak ass uh, dentist walking around shirtless, hypnotizing people. Beautiful teeth, though. Does he even know he's in a uh, fucking cobra? Apparently, according to this, it says his characterization has fluctuated from that of comical villain to dangerous fascist. Oh my god! <laughs> Depending on the release, I can't imagine a release that has fascism in it. Right, uh, master. Cobra Commander of... will make all the trains run on time. <laughs> Here's his speciality: scientist, master of mind control, dentistry. Oh God! Does it have Does it have a background? Does it mention the dentist thing? Let's see. Uh, Doctor Doctor Bender <laughs> was at one time a peace loving orthodontist. His last name is Bender. Yes. Okay. He built a machine to relieve dental pain using electric brainwave stimulation. <laughs> Unfortunately, he tested it on himself, and when it went haywire. <laughs> He became hateful, deceitful, and vain. That's kind of a that's kind of a pain in the ass because uh, obviously the second time he used it, he was able to control people's minds. Right. Though experiencing brain damage, he retained his sense of scientific skill as a dentist. You think it would be the first thing to go? Scientific skill and intellect. Unfortunately, choosing to use it for the purposes of evil. Dr. Mindbender abandoned his practice and joined forces with Cobra. It'd be better if he was still in his practice. (laughs) Like, don't brush it all. (laughs) Ooh, he is evil. Oh, my God. Uh, Let's see. Devoting all his time to perfecting his digital brain scrambling. He is a master of mind control and interrogation, but his expertise also includes genetics, cloning, dead dentistry, (laughs) and stuff. Cybernetics. I wonder if that ever came up in an episode of the dentistry thing. <laughs> What's wrong, Cobra Commander? I twist him to this is bad. Oh my god. They can, they can have a very special episode about brushing. Oh my god. Oh. What? Yeah, Serpentor needed uh, one of his incisors uh, filed down or something. Yeah, that was messed up the whole so they have like a big build up to Serpentor and then like he comes out and then like the very next episode it's like yeah he's he's like one of his flunkies now. Yeah they they tried to do what I think the Transformers tried to do uh with the um 
you know, like the Transformers famously leave a leave a trail of a, che- a cheese doodles to the studio to get Orson Welles to do one of the voices. <laughs> right. But they fam- they famously killed all their series one characters because they were like, well, everyone's bought all the toys now, so let's fucking murder all these people and uh, make them buy new toys. I think Which that's is what- perfectly in alignment with their because uh, I believe uh, t- the toy company made the TV show, right? Did they make the toys in the TV show for them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The toys came first. Uh, the toys always come first. But yeah, I, I liked Zartan a lot. <laughs> yeah, Zartan and Zartana. Yeah. And then of I course. I call the Dreadnoughts. They're, they're I, used to, I had the figures at one point, but I think I lost them. Which is, like, I mean, like 10 years ago, I had them. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time since I, I had them when I was a kid, but I, I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, my friend Matt bought him for me, uh, you know, as a thank you for uh, warning him about bombs, ironically enough. <laughs> and then, of course, Tomac, Tomax and Zamat. Zamat, yep. That was always weird when they had, like, I mean, I, I, I guess in real life, some people claim that's that happened. I mean, I don't see how it's possible, but whatever. You know, where like, you can, like, feel your twins, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I just remember one episode where one of them was falling from a building and the other one was... I remember the exact same one. The other one climbed up a ladder and fell off the fucking ladder. (laughs) Why he'd have to climb up it? I don't know. (laughs) I always wonder, like, uh, do you think, like, uh, like, I assume they get married at different times. I don't know. Twins are weird. Maybe they get married at the same time. Yeah, maybe. But do you think on a wedding night, the other twins just, like, just shooting in his pants the whole time? Like, (laughs) not even realizing what's going on. What's going on? Oh, that's right. It's there. Oh, my new sister-in-law has quite a pair of lips. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, if they fucking can tell the other one's falling off a building. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes it makes sense. Then obviously the ultimate thing would be to uh, 69 each other. <laughs> It'd be an endless loop of uh, pleasure and uh, oh, sin. Oh, God. It says that um, Tomax and Zamet share an empathetic connection, commonly known as the Corsican syndrome, in which identical twins are believed to be psychically bonded in a manner similar to the Corsican brothers from the uh, Alexander Dumas novella. So good for them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But yeah, it seems like it, it never really helped, but I mean... It was always like, oh, I'm in pain, and now I'm in pain. Zamet's in trouble. It's like, who fucking cares? Right. Your characters suck. I don't even understand what you do. Yeah. They're, they're, they, just, they just whine with weird accents. Like, I don't think it's like a British accent. I think it's like a like a northwest, uh, northeastern type accent. Yeah. Weren't they like Weren't they like the money men? Technically in, see, I thought so, but I think they're technically in charge of the Crimson Guard. And what that is, I have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't seem to have some financial abilities. Maybe yeah. like the the Wonder Boss, uh, Vander Voss twins from uh, the Facebooks. <laughs> yeah, Winklevoss. Yeah, the Winklevosses. Yeah, they 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 started uh, they started something called Cobra Book, but uh, <laughs> Cobra Commander uh, beat them to it. <laughs> nice. Oh. Oh man, there's this uh, short story I read years ago. It's like the journal of a cobra recruit it's like kind of like mcsweeney's or something like that okay i don't know if you ever read it but you should check it, it's the funniest shit ever it's like this guy like he's like yeah i work for cobra now but like well they just want us to run out the joes and like shoot our you know guns wildly i don't think it's very effective but whatever <laughs> and just scream cobra at the while we're doing yeah, it. yeah yeah it does mention they have to scream cobra as loud as they can 
And he mentions how they all have like the uh, you know how they always have like those like um the face mask things on where you can just see their eyes. Yeah. It mentions like, oh, I can kind of recognize people by their eyebrows now. <laughs> it, it's it's good stuff. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, but as we mentioned, uh, I know you've seen The Irishman. Uh, you saw it in the theater. I watched The Irishman this week. Um, so The the Irishman. Uh, first of all, I don't know why Robert De Niro is always playing an Irishman. Because <laughs> I... Um- I guess he he said he is actually mostly Irish. Oh, okay. He, he said he said it before. I know his last name is like uh, what is De Niro like a Dutch or Italian? I guess. I think it's Italian. Yeah, De Niro. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's Italian, but yeah, he he does often play like you like you said in uh, Goodfellas. He plays uh, Jimmy something. Yeah. It's like an Irish name, though. But yeah, he, he explicitly can't be a made man because he's, uh, you know, he's Irish. But uh, in this one, he's Ed Sheeran. Um, or no, Frank Sheeran, uh, the uh, famous singer. He, um, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole plot of the movie. It's a long movie. It's it's three and a half hours long. I watched it almost straight through. I did pause it uh, for about 20 minutes at one point. And then come back to it. But I had work to do. And I like I started watching it in a downtime from work. And I kept being like, oh, I should go back to work. I should go back to work. But I couldn't stop watching it. It really, it, it did capture me uh, for sure. Like I was sucked in uh, watching it. I did watch it on my phone. Sorry, uh, Mr. Scorsese. <laughs> but I, it's I, actually... Yeah, interesting enough, uh, I actually was pretty uncomfortable the entire time I watched it because the theater we went to was like an old time theater that didn't have like the the reclining seats and that sort of thing, you oh, know. Yeah. So it was like most of the movie I spent just like squirming, like you know, in discomfort, which mm. you know again is another reason to not go to the movies. Exactly. Yeah, that sucks. Um, in general, I liked it, although you know, there's I don't know, I, I have some issues with it, I guess. Um. I don't, I mean, obviously I can't make a movie like Martin Scorsese can make a movie. I mean, Martin Scorsese is a genius born to make movies, but there were, there are a couple things that are are a little off about it. The first thing, uh, was the, the CGI, the, the, the de-aging stuff. Yeah, see, again, as a testament to my lack of concern for that kind of thing, I didn't really, it didn't really bother me. Like, my wife kept saying, like, you could see, like, the black dead eyes of, like, you know, the different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't think it was very good. I mean, like, I, I guess they look kind of younger, but I mean, at the beginning of the movie, um, Frank Shearing is, like, uh, supposed to be, like, 25. I why guess. Would you not, why would you just not get another actor? I mean, he might, I mean, De Niro looks like 60 instead of like, you know, this, I mean, that's not an insult. He, you know, he, that's just how people age. I mean, I, I don't know why you wouldn't just get a different actor. I mean, in Goodfellas, when you first see Henry Hill, it's not, you know, it's not Ray Liotta like wearing short pants, uh, you know, being on the porch talking to his mother. Exactly. And that's what I was going to bring up to you. Do you think the movie would have been better if they had gotten, if they had recast younger actors? I mean, for the earlier parts, yeah, but I mean, even then, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I think it would have been better if they had younger actors that they had artificially aged with prosthetics, mm-hmm. but I mean, I mean, it's not like you can get, uh, you, I mean, if you want De Niro, he's not, you can't make him younger. I mean, it's, right. I mean, I mean, the cast for this movie is phenomenal. Everybody in it is amazing. I mean, I've, I've never seen Everybody Loves Raymond's. I don't know how good like uh, Ray uh, Romano is as an actor, but he's very good in this too. He is. Yeah. He's, yeah, he is definitely 
uh, a standout in this movie, I, I think. And yeah, I mean, that's nothing but I mean, I mean, this is like a workshop on acting. Every person mm-hmm. in it is a great actor. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least their performance is great. I mean, is that a testament to Martin Scorsese? Probably. I've never seen a shitty actor in any of his movies. Right. And and he's had Marky Mark in his own his movies. So. <laughs> exactly. And, he, and Scorsese was smart enough to be like, yeah, just yell a lot. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. He had Marky Mark in one of his movies, and uh, and he was fucking nominated for an Oscar for, the, for Best yeah. Supporting Actor for that movie. And, and, and Marky Mark in that movie is just acting like you would imagine Marky Mark to act if he was like, you know, late for a, a train or something. Exactly. He's like, just pretend that there's a black guy on the street that has slighted you in some way and uh, and and work off of that. Oh, is Liam Neeson in this movie, too? Well, apparently Marky Mark. I don't remember if he was Spanish oh, it, or it black. It was a v- Vietnamese guy. Vietnamese. He, uh, there you he, go. He attempted to blind. Yeah, I know he was racist in some way. Yeah. But anyway, so... And that's the thing is the de-aging. So Marvel, Marvel, I think does a really good job with the de-aging stuff. I don't know exactly what company they use to do it, but they, you know, if you look at Michael Douglas or, or some of the, or Robert Redford that they have, that they've had in movies before and how they digitally de-age them, it looks really good. It's seamless. Um, they did it with Samuel L. Jackson too, actually. And it, although I mean, Samuel L. Jackson barely looks any different at all. But Great. I don't know exactly how they did it in this movie, but it doesn't look nearly as good as it does in those Marvel movies. But even if they did it perfectly, the thing that you can't get right, or the thing that the thing that there's no way to to de-age is like when. So at the beginning of the movie, Robert De Niro's character, his daughter uh, Peg. Uh, gets pushed by um by this uh, a grocer uh, by a, a green grocer. grocer yeah exactly by a green grocer with AIDS and he goes over and beats the fuck out of him like throws him through the the glass door and everything and he looks like you know sixty five year old Robert De Niro or whatever yeah yeah another thing that I, I noticed was I mean yeah it did like it did smooth the skin out but I mean you know when old people get older you know their skin sags a bit mm-hmm. I mean even if you're you know a professional wealthy actor I mean yep. there's only so much you can do and that was I mean it, it would just it just looked odd because you know obviously he was not like you said the way he moved and also like you know just the way his texture was I yep. guess yep did not seem like that of a young man especially not a young brute like uh, uh, Frank Sheeran is. Yeah, and I I wouldn't have minded if they had if they for the flashback scenes if they had just recast younger and then had the the you know the main cast as the older versions I I you know I'd be fine with that it wouldn't wouldn't bother me. Um, uh, another thing I thought of um my my wife is I I think I've said on here before is brilliant at like recognizing people. Mm-hmm. Um, the babysitter from uh, Goodfellas is in this movie. I think she's Jimmy Hoffa's wife. Yeah, I wonder I wonder why Martin Scorsese hasn't worked with Ray Liotta anymore. I don't know. That is weird. I mean, is I mean, because like, I mean, you can't say that he was too big. I mean, because he's been with Joe Pesci from like you know the, the early '80s. I think mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel has been in. Did you know Harvey Keitel was actually in a Scorsese student film as well? Like he's been with him so long. Oh my god! No, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean Harvey Keitel. I mean they they you know they're basically like you know they're almost like you know a, a branching tree of like someone who became an actor and someone who became a director. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean that's um. So yeah, let's let's just kind of go through the plot a little bit, and then we'll. I think it'd be better, you know, because uh, it's it's a long thing, but we could sum it up pretty succinctly. I think. Yeah. 
So, uh, so Frank Sheeran is a a guy who kind of wants to be like in the mob. You know, he kind of knows some people. He does a, little, a few slight crimes. Then he's a uh, bailed out by Ray Liotta. Like you know, he basically says, "Don't confess," and they can, all they can do is fire you. They can't charge you. Yeah. Um. So, he, so he does this, and then he kind of hooks up with uh his uh, his lawyer. Who, I can't remember his first name, but the last name is Buffalino. Yeah, and Bill. So the lawyer's there. You go. And the lawyer's cousin is is uh is uh shit again. Angelo Buffalino, maybe Russ. Russ Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci, um, and Joe Pesci kind of like, oh, oh, you're, you know, you're. It's almost again like in Goodfellas. He's like, oh, you're good at keeping your mouth shut. You know, we might have some use for you. So uh, mm-hmm. he basically has lost his job as a um, truck driver. You know, yeah, as a truck driver, even though it was a union position, which you know is a, a good way to kind of introduce later the fact that he in, is entangled with um, uh, J- uh, Jimmy Hoffa, who is obviously the president of the Teamsters Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just kind of like you know, kind of has him like do some petty crimes, and he kind of works his way up to. He's a, he's a hitman for uh, um, Russ Buffalino. Yep. Um, and then, and uh, then so he like it's it's uh, there's a lot. I, I'm sorry, I'll just go through it because I, I have a lot of comments on this movie because uh, there's, there's a lot going on. So he right. he does this, and then uh, uh, Buffalino becomes entangled with the uh, the Teamster Union. Um, they help get uh, JFK elected, and then they uh, they help try and uh, you know make the Bay of Pigs succeed. Right. It doesn't. And then they imply that they uh, help assassinate Kennedy as well. Yeah. Um, Another thing I didn't love about them about this. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, uh, again, I will get back to that. Um, so then he's uh, he, he and then he's uh, kind of has him like you know Jimmy Hoffa really likes uh, Frank Sheeran for some reason. You know, they're very friendly. Uh, he kind of just like uh, Buffalo you know, just tells him just yeah, just go hang out with Hoffa. You know, be his bodyguard. They become close friends. Mm-hmm. He likes him more than anybody else. There's a you know a slew of thugs that he encounters, and he just doesn't get along with them. But uh, you know, uh, Hoffa is a very likable guy. He's you know charismatic. He's fun. Uh, you know, he he puts he he's very sensitive to Sheeran. Uh, at one point, in a very funny scene, like uh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa's yelling at all these people, and then Frank Sheeran storms out angry. And you're like, and he, Jimmy, he's like, what's, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not going to stay here if you're going to yell. He's like, I'm not yelling at you. Right. Which, is, which is the most obvious thing. He's like, I didn't even see you there. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I mean, they're really good friends. Um, and then it kind of, they kind of, then Hoffa goes to jail. Um, Robert Kennedy's also assassinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hoffa's in jail, um, and when he's in there, they're kind of getting the idea that he might he might be uh, likely to testify or you know give up the mafia when he gets out. Um, they don't really think that that much at that point. But when he does get out, he's really just kind of burning all bridges. He wants to be the president of the Teamsters Union again. Mm-hmm. He's you know he's very emphatic about this, um, and in so much so that uh, some of the other characters uh, I can't, I'm not I'm not gonna remember names here. Uh, the guy who was Herc in the Wire, he's a Philadelphia mafioso guy. He kind of starts to chatter and kind of talk up, and he kind of make he almost he basically convinces Buffalino that uh, Hoffa is going to sell them out to the feds. Mm-hmm. So Buffalino uh, goes on a he's like, well, he's like, well, we, I'm sorry. He's you know they kind of have discussions while Shireen is kind of like you know looking over his shoulder, you know, trying to see what they're saying about his because he in this movie he's very good friends with Hoffa. They're like you know best friends. Their families vacation together. You know they're yep. very close. Yep. Um, so you know he goes. He and Buffalo, you know, they drive across country. I don't remember exactly why, but they do this pretty consistently. They're going so to they're, a wedding. Uh, they're going yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. They are going to a wedding. Bill, Bill Bill Buffalino's daughter's getting married in Detroit, and along the way, they're kind yeah. of stopping and collecting uh, at different places. Yeah, that's true. And then so uh, so then they're going up there, and then uh, 
ha, ha, um, not Hoffa, sorry, Buffalo uh, pulls Shearer aside. He goes, yeah, we're, we're actually going to have to kill Hoffa. You know, mm-hmm. sorry, but that's just how it is. Yep. And he's, you know, he's like horrified because he's his friend. But, you know, he's he's a very loyal man, uh, Frank Shearer. And also mm-hmm. he gets this uh, this special ring right before this, which is like a very loyal kind of thing, you know, from the Buffalinos. Um, it's like, or not from the Buffalinos, from Russ Buffalino. Like only three people have it, including Shearer. And he's the only non-Italian. Yep. Has it, you know, which you know, again, they they really bring up the you know stratification of the uh, the you know Italian mafiosa mm-hmm. insider wise guy, you know, uh, made men and yeah. like their associates, which you know, Shirin is only ever an associate because he can't become a made man because he's not Italian, right? So yeah, like you know, Shirin, you know, Shirin's like really like he's like he's really upset about this. He's trying to call and make uh you know he's make these arrangements so that it won't happen. Uh, but Hoffa just will not listen to anybody. He's very stubborn. He's like fuck all you basically. <laughs> and then uh, then Buffalino suddenly has a change of mind and he uh, he sends uh he sends Sharon up there actually to help with the ex- with the murder itself, which you know is kind of good and bad because he'll be able to see his friend again, but also he has to murder him. Right. So they go up and they meet at the uh, this restaurant, which is very different from the real life restaurant. The very the real life restaurant it was on Telegraph, which is a very busy road. Correct. Yeah. From what I read, the reason they this is like almost like an out of the way like you know restaurant like on a long uh, you know a barren road. I guess it's because they said it would be so much less expensive to not have to get like a bunch of vintage cars and you know vintage like uh, buildings all in the same place. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I understand it. Yep. So he meets up there. There's these two other guys he was supposed to meet up with. Um, one of them was uh, Tony Jackaloni, I think, who is an actual real life uh, local uh, Detroit mafia figure, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say that. Yep. Um, but like, they, there's he's again. We'll get back to this, but you know, he doesn't meet up with them. So Shearing uh, takes him out to this uh, building that they're working on. And he walks in and he just shoots him right in the head. Yeah. Like he doesn't even hesitate. Um, and then, like, he goes back for the Buffalinos. He does a few more murders, and it kind of cuts to him, you know. And this is kind of told almost like a Saving Private Ryan type format, where at the beginning he's an older man, you know, kind of telling the story of his life. At the end, we see that he's telling this to a couple of FBI agents who are trying to still find out the location of uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Yeah, so he won't tell them because he still has this, like, you know, this loyalty code to them. And then he uh, he basically uh, uh, just goes and dies. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about it is the the FBI agents are like, hey, you know, uh, you know, tell us about what happened. And he's like, uh, yeah, call my lawyer, uh, Bill Buffalino. And he's like, he's fucking dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> They're all dead, man. Just tell us <laughs> where his body is. And he's like, ah, yeah, fuck you know- guys. And in real life, uh, Frank Shearing died in 2003. So, I mean, that was, you know, even like almost 20 years ago from today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, in general, I liked the movie, uh, as soon as, as soon as they, you know, they, they say early on that they're driving to Detroit, uh, and then they do flashback stuff. And I didn't know that Al Pacino was playing Jimmy Hoffa in this movie. But as soon as they uh, they mentioned Jimmy Hoffa's name, I'm like, oh, I know what they're going to do. <laughs> like I I know I know where this is going. Um, but you, oh, know, you didn't know you didn't know that going in that it was about uh, the killing of Jimmy Hoffa. No, I didn't know that that was. Uh, I didn't know what the movie was about at all, really, other than oh, I see. I, I, I did know. I did know that. So that actually, you know, obviously, you picked up on it early, but I knew from you know way before going in, you mm. know, who played Hoffa and all that stuff. But I, um, you know, as as is so often with Scorsese's movies, because this is based on real life, um, you know, at least partially. 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's the interesting thing about this is it's based on a book written by Frank Sheeran, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think a lot of it's just made up, almost like a Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah, yeah, because there's uh, the the murder of um, you know Crazy Joe uh, Davola, no cra- Crazy Joe, whatever I can't remember his name. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember his but name. But he uh, that was Davola. kind of a funny part too, where he goes to the he goes to the Copacabana Club on his birthday, and the guy on stage is clearly Don Rickles, you know. And oh yeah, what's uh, funny is like I knew immediately who that was because it was a uh, comedian Jim Norton was playing the part. Yep. And I'm like, oh, he's got to be Don Rickles. I mean, mm-hmm. and he, if the first couple of jokes are obviously, you know, classic Dick uh, Rickles staples. It was kind of neat, you know, to see like a, a kind of famous uh, insult comedian playing a uh, another famous insult comedian. Yeah, I love the line. And he, d- you know, he did say this all the time because uh, Rickles, you know, was in with with the, Sinatra. The, yeah, Sinatra and the other Italian like uh, entertainers like Dean Martin and stuff like that. And obviously they all they all had mob ties. So he, you know, he you know, hung around with them sometimes. And he's, I've heard him do this joke before where he's like, I make fun of everybody. I make fun of Jews. I make fun of, uh, you know, blacks. I make fun of uh, Hispanics. I make fun of Italians. And he looks and he's like, not those Italians. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've heard that too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, he, um, anyway, the, they, they show his, his murder, which, you know, actually happened at this, uh, this clam chowder restaurant, I guess, uh, on his, 43rd birthday and according to some of the accounts that i read and i don't know exactly where they're getting this information from whether it's eyewitness testimony or what but there were two guys that came in and started shooting um and uh you know this uh this crazy joe uh kind of you know moved towards the door he was going for his gun and uh supposedly he was trying to draw fire away from his family who was there and then you know he got killed um and then in this book uh i believe the book's called uh, you paint houses don't you uh, i heard you paint i heard you paint houses yeah that's right which is kind of weird because in the opening of the movie they flash that you know like in between like you know short clips mm-hmm. it'll say i heard you paint houses which is obviously the title of the book it's mm-hmm. not the title of the movie and I don't know if they – I know in the preview you hear uh, – I think it's Al Pacino say, I heard you paint houses. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him actually saying that in the movie though. I don't think – yeah, I don't remember it either. So it was really – I thought that was really odd. Yeah, it was weird because I thought like it was going to be like a chapter. Like here's the first part and then we're titling it, you know, I heard you paint houses. But they never did it again. So yeah, it was – Yeah, that was, was, that was really – that was just that, – that was the one flaw I found in the movie. Well, actually, that's not true, but that was the biggest fly. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree with that. This is gonna, this isn't what I'm about to say isn't gonna make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this is, uh, I think this is Scorsese's masterpiece, but it's far from my favorite movie of his. No, I, I, I actually agree with you. I think this is technically maybe the best movies ever made, and you know. Like you said, you bring all these talented actors together with a director that brings the best out of actors anyway. Uh, you know, so so you're getting all this talent here. Uh, Scorsese's obviously at the top of his game, and you know, cinematography is beautiful. Everything technically about this movie is is very good. Um, but it's it's not. I don't think it's my favorite either. It's not. It's not the most enjoyable, but like it's I not, said, yeah, it's not. It's not an inter- It's not very interesting to me as a movie because a lot of yeah. it is like real life, and I know some of the real life stuff. Maybe that's mm-hmm. part of it. 
it's very long, very dry. I mean, you could yeah. if you cut this into a two-hour movie, it would be it would be a lot better movie, I think. I mean, yet at the same time, I mean, I can't fault him for you know the long parts that are unnecessary. I mean, he's telling what he, he's not telling a crime story; he's telling a drama that happens to be about you know crime figures. Exactly, and, and like I said, I found it engrossing. Like I couldn't, I, I wanted to stop and continue the work that I was doing, but I just couldn't. Like I could every time I was like, oh, I should stop here at this at this place. Where yeah, it, it would was, like it was, cut to a new scene, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I can't quite explain it. I mean, it seemed kind of in, a, in parts to be a dull movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might have been all of the driving around. Probably that always to me like makes a movie seem more boring. I mean, yeah, I can't say there was bad dialogue. The dialogue was great. You know, I mean, the performances were amazing. There were so many good actors in this. It's it's. I mean, you can't even like you know. I mean, I think to be the standout performance is a. Uh, I mean, just I, I think uh, Joe Pesci is amazing in this movie. Oh, great. I, I don't think I've seen a better performance by anyone ever than Joe Pesci is in The Irishman. He's he's the perfect, like, you know, perfect, perfect amount of, like, you know, quiet menace to, like, you know, the otherwise dull and boring, like, you know, day in, day out of the uh, mafiosa boss's uh, lifestyle. And that's the thing is, is if you've seen him in Goodfellas or you've seen him in a couple roles like that where he's a little more over the top, you know, he's a little more... Uh, you know, like outwardly violent and psychopathic in this role. This is it's very like he's he's confident. He's reasonable, but he's you know, he's still brutal when things need to get done. Yeah, he's going to he's going to do what he has to do. Yeah, he it, it's just it's just how it is, is basically his attitude. But he but he is reasonable in, in the role. And it's a very understated performance. It's a it's an excellent performance. I agree. Uh Al Pacino, I, I loved the scenes between Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. I thought they worked really well together. I thought they built a relationship really well together. Uh, kind of like you were talking about how how you could tell they were they were such good friends. Um, the one thing that I didn't love about Pacino's performance was his Chicago accent. It uh. <laughs> it grew on me. It grew on me after a while, but when he first started talking like that. It jarred me a little bit. I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, I mean, it's. I think it's a reasonably plausible accent for someone from there. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's as close as I think you're going to get with someone as distinctive of a voice as Al Pacino has. Yeah, especially um, if you're a character that, like, you know, or a person who travels around a lot. You know, you probably would lose some of the accent and have a weird blend to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, uh, you know, I like this, but even, even in the small roles, like, uh, like Jesse Plemons, uh, you know, from Breaking Bad is, is in there as, uh, one of, uh, Hoffa's, uh, stepkids. Um, you've got, uh, uh, Catherine Narducci, uh, plays, uh, Russ's wife and you've got, uh, Stephanie, uh, Kurtzuba is, I think that's who you're talking about with um, as the the babysitter. She, I think so. Yeah, she's uh, um, yeah, and um, and you know they're they're both excellent. Anna Paquin is in the movie as uh, as Frank's daughter Peggy, you know, as the adult version, and I think she has maybe like five lines. But yeah, I think uh, someone actually counted them. They, I think it's seven total. Yeah, and I know people were sort of up in arms about this, but let me tell you something. Um, Another example of it, just idiocracy. I mean, how mm-hmm. how do they not understand that? That's really to show how strong Peggy is. You know, exactly. She, she's so you know avoids her own father for in her, her entire lifetime. You know, and she's yep. so principled where he's not. You know. Yeah, and she, I like people were like, well, why waste uh, an Oscar winner 
in a role where she doesn't have any lines. And I like I I because I got into a debate with a couple different people, and I'm like, uh, well, you don't understand anything about acting, then do you? Because like, look at her performance. She doesn't have to speak. It's you know like a, a lesser actress. I don't think would have been able to bring the gravity towards her character that she was able to. Right, like people will probably complain that in the movie Nell that uh, you know Jodie Foster had no lines. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's people will say, oh, that's not the same thing, but really it is because that's important to the character. The character yeah. is so stoic, and she has so much anger for her father that mm-hmm. he's like an old man in a, in a retirement home. We find at the end, and she still hasn't, you know, he, she hasn't seen her for you know years. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you know, she loved Jimmy Hoffa because Jimmy Hoffa was putting people to work and and all that stuff. And you know, was a charming. Yeah, he was guy. a charming man. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so I mean, that's basically the movie. I, I I liked it. I I think I feel basically the same way you do. It's not my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, but it was a damn good movie. And and. Even though it was three and a half hours, it did not feel its length. And I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm gonna. I think I'm not gonna watch it for a while. That's not because I don't like it. Um, it's just it's I, I it's a lot to process. I think from the mm-hmm. first one, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of subtleties. One thing I thought was very odd, not odd, but it was curious. Is uh, this is a, a lot of comedy is in this movie? Yes, there is. Like it, it's really interesting because I mean, it, it, first of all, it's an interesting to 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 have the protagonist be like a complete dumbass, and he's it's not like in a funny <laughs> way either. It's not like it's not. I mean, he's a very he's he's not a smart man, you know. He's correct. He's not like Forrest Gump, where he's you know lucky into like you know the adventures and shit. He's like you know a very like simple man. He's not the brightest, you know. He described earlier he uh, thought Al Pacino was yelling at him, and there's right. other like stuff like that throughout the whole movie. You know, it's just like and it's it's played for laughs. It's funny, but I mean, it's just really interesting because it's kind of like the character we follow is really just as a placeholder to, for us to see everything else happening around him because mm-hmm. Frank doesn't really do much. I mean, he just, he gets told to go shoot somebody and he goes and shoots them. It's, and the violence of this is, is, is not very violent. I mean, it's yeah. very, it's almost clinical. You know, you see him, he walks up to somebody, you see him fire a couple shots in the head. You don't see blood or anything like that. He drives on this river, he throws a gun in the water. And that's, that's what, I mean, he, at one point they push all these cars into the dock. I mean, that's probably the most, you know, it's almost like fun for Frank. You know, he's almost like a boy just having fun at that point. It is funny how they say like they, in that one part they say like, Oh yeah, he took complete control of the docks and everything told people, you know what to do and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, okay. I mean, I guess kind of like I can see what you're saying, but it's like, it's hard to think of him that way because like you said, for most of the movie, he's not making any decisions. It's just like Russ is like, Hey, go kill this guy. And then he goes yeah. and does it or do go do this, go take this, this truck. You know, you're going to go down here and meet, uh, uh, you know, Howard Hunt from the fucking, uh, Watergate, <laughs> the, you know, ears. Yeah. 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 Big ears. Yeah. When they met, when they said big ears, I was like, Oh, I know who that is. <laughs> But it is, it is weird because it's kind of like, it's like you said, it's sort of like a perverse Forrest Gump because there's the Watergate moment. There's the Kennedy like stuff. Yeah. That's actually, that's exactly the Forrest Gump. I'm I'm calling it now. This is the, uh, a mockery of Forrest Gump. (laughs) Yeah. He even kills his best friend of like 30 years just because he's told to, he doesn't really, Mm -hmm. and he's like, are you sure? They're like, yeah, we're sure. He's like, okay, I guess I got to kill him. Right. Yeah. I know. It's weird. Like you can tell he's he's upset about it, but at the same time he's like, "Oh, got to do it." 
wonder if that's a way to like kind of comment on the fact that the book itself is kind of you know probably not one hundred percent true. Maybe I, I mean it, it. I think this movie I think does a good job of presenting a story and not saying like, "Hey, here's what happens." But yeah, it's almost it's not quite a Quentin Tarantino esque where he just completely changes history. But I mean, this is just like one person's version of history. Exactly, and I, I think mean, I think the tone is very clear in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Like I said, I'll wait a while to watch it again. Um, but I, I would recommend if you're a Scorsese fan. I mean, I don't think you have to, you know, rush to the theater. Right. Not that it's at the theater and see it, but I mean, <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I, I definitely like it. And uh, very, if if no one from this movie wins like best actor or best supporting actor, I, I'm, I'm gonna be very surprised. Me too. I think, I think it's gonna get. I, obviously, it's gonna get nominations. I think, uh, I think at least. I, I mean, I, I think it's got a chance to win at least one, maybe two. Uh, of the acting, uh, the categories, but um, there's one more thing I was going to say. What was it? Uh, I don't remember now. Um, I think it was on the Forrest Gump type stuff, but uh, uh, yeah, well that, that, like I was saying before the, like, I mean, I get what they're saying with the Kennedy stuff, like where they're implying like, Hey, you know, we killed Kennedy. My thought on that is that's from the book. And so that's why it was included. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I get, I understand that the mob had motivation, uh, as we talked about with the skeptical skeptics and everything, I don't really think that that they had anything to do with it. Yeah, I really think it's just some kook with a uh, rifle. Yeah, that's that's my. I mean, that's my belief too. Is that Oswald probably just acted alone? Uh, but yeah, so that I mean, that's a movie. Good movie. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'll probably watch it again. But. Uh, that is our episode for the week. So, uh, you know, do all the stuff. Go go to look up Massive Late Fee. Uh, again, if you want to, you know, tell a friend. That's that's the best thing you can do for us. Tell a friend. Second best thing you can do is write a review on iTunes. That helps us out with their, uh, their algorithm, however it is. Uh, and then if you want to write us a letter, uh, MassiveLateFee at gmail.com. We like reading messages from you guys. Uh, That is it for this week. We will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.